Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Formula 101 podcast. My name is Justin, and along with my co-host, Sashwa, we are going to be taking you through all the ins and outs and turns of the 2022 Honda Japanese Grand Prix. But before we do that, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at F1on1pod, and please follow us, not follow us, please rate us five stars on whatever listening platform you are currently listening to us on. It helps us tremendously. And without further ado, we're going to jump straight into the Formula One this time. We're not going to waste 10 minutes talking about God knows what like we did last week. So I'll just start right away by giving you guys the updated standings because I actually forgot to do that in the checkered flag episode this past weekend. So that's my bad. But WDC standings after the 2022 Singapore Grand Prix goes as follows. Max Verstappen sits in P1 with 341 points. Leclerc sits at 237 points, which is 104 behind Verstappen. Checo sits at 235, so that's a close battle for P2. George Russell sits at 203, and then Carlos Sainz sits a single point behind him at 202. So we will have a good battle for P2 and P4 in the WDC in these last few races. In the World Constructors Championship, we have Red Bull sitting clear and ahead at 576 points, Ferrari at 439 Mercedes at 373. After their epic performance in Singapore, McLaren have surpassed Alpine for P4 at 129 points. Alpine is in P5 with 125 points. Alfa Romeo sits in P6 at a comfortable 52, ahead of Aston Martin with 37 in P7. Haas and Alphatari are tied for P8 and P9 currently with 34 points, with Haas getting the tiebreaker best based on their best result and Williams at 6 points in P10. And I'm sure you're wondering, so Max Verstappen had a few qualifying or clinching scenarios last weekend. What can he do this weekend to secure the WDC? And it's actually pretty straightforward for the Japanese Grand Prix. If Max Verstappen wins and has the fastest lap, he will clinch the WDC. If he wins without the fastest lap and Leclerc goes P3 or lower, he will clinch the WDC. If Verstappen wins without the fastest lap and Leclerc goes P2, the championship will go to Austin, Texas. With all that being said, Sashwa, how's it going? Justin, it is going very, very well. After listening to you talk about the potential clinching situations or scenarios for Max Verstappen, I am really, really, really hoping that he wins the race but does not get the fastest lap <laughs> because I would really like to see him in an easy qualifying scenario come I guess, our trip to the Circuit of the Americas in just a few weeks' time um, and watching him clinch his, I guess, second consecutive and second world title um, of his career. I think that would be really, really cool for us. I mean, unfortunately, if... I mean, I guess if you maybe, like, looked at betting odds, I don't know exactly what they are. Perhaps Max Verstappen is the favorite to clinch or it is likely that he will clinch this weekend here in Suzuka. But I think it would be really, really cool if it came to Austin, but... Otherwise, in general, I guess things are going well. I have two midterms in the remainder of this week, so I'm on the struggle bus. But obviously, F1 is a nice little distraction from the monotony that is, I guess, being a university student. So, yeah, I'm excited. Unfortunately, this race, Justin, is at a very, very shitty time for us. Uh, As United States East Coast viewers, some of our friends on the West Coast perhaps are now being a little blessed usually they have to be waking up at 5 or 6 a.m for races but now we are the ones having to stay up late so 
yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, it's going to be pretty brutal. I don't know if I'm going to want to stay up until 1 a.m. to watch it, but we're going to need to since we have to record it the next morning or next afternoon whenever we get around to it. But it will be the next day, mm-hmm. so no delays at all, we promise. Um, yeah, no Australia stuff. Yeah, no Australia stuff. I guess that's going to be pretty nice. What midterms do you have? Uh, tomorrow, I have a databases design midterm, and then on Friday, I have a statistics midterm. Oh, that sounds very difficult. Well, good luck on those, I guess. Yeah. How was, uh, do you have any other signals midterms coming up? No, I don't want to talk about signals, man. It, I got my okay. grade back, bro. Oh. Bro. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. I knew I did Do we bad. just want to talk about circuit? Do we just want to talk about circuit analysis? Circuit analysis? Oh, dude, I was like, what? I I was really, I thought you were talking about, like, electrical circuits. And I was like, what the? I, I haven't taken a circuits class in, like, three sem- uh, two semesters. But, I mean, I guess we could jump straight into circuit analysis. So, go ahead, take the wheel. I'm going to go grab some water while you, while you inform the viewers about your favorite, I guess, parts of Suzuka. Yeah, um... Circuit analysis, we will not be talking about resistors and power sources, but in fact, the many, many laps and twists and turns of the Suzuka racing course here in the Mie prefecture of Japan. 53 laps this weekend around a 5.807 kilometer circuit, otherwise 3.608 mile circuit here in Japan. We've raced here every year since 1987, but we have raced here as early as 1976. We didn't have a race here in 2020 or 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the restrictions that the Japanese government placed on the country for incoming visitors. It is obviously the second part of our 2022 Asia-Pacific doubleheader. It is a daytime race this time in Japan, unfortunately, like we mentioned or alluded to a little earlier. Uh, given the time zones, it is not a daytime race for most of us around the world, honestly. I think even our British viewers and European viewers are going to be waking up somewhere between 6 and 8 a.m. for this race. As Justin mentioned, we will be up from 1 a.m. to approximately 3 a.m. watching this race if we decide to watch it live. We have one DRS zone here this weekend in Suzuka. It's down the pit straight. The detection point is right after the apex of the famous 130R corner. We have a few overtaking spots, the pit or main straight, however you like to refer to it. We have the turn 11 hairpin. We have as well the the back straight um, that actually comprises, or of which 130R is a part of it. We will be at Japan, Justin, through 2024. Um, I think this is a really good thing. I think it's a fan favorite track. I think it's really cool. I love this track. I think it provides great racing. It has a lot of cool sections like the S's section. Um... What else does it have? Um, I guess like the the like figure eight shape of it where there's like the bridge that crosses over and the drivers drive under the bridge, the hairpin, the spoon curve. Um, obviously, a lot of iconic moments here. We've had Michael Schumacher clinching one of his Formula One world titles here in Japan. So obviously a super, super cool place to be. I think a lot of history in Formula One. But yeah, I guess this week justin we do i guess perhaps talk a little bit about safety um because the japanese grand prix and specifically suzuka is unfortunately the site slash home of the most recent um formula one racing death and that is the death of jules bianchi obviously jules bianchi um if i'm not wrong very close to Charles Leclerc. uh justin correct me if i'm wrong on that i'm not exactly sure um okay. it could be but yeah obviously a very tragic death i'm sure some of yeah. you guys have seen um, the video. And luckily, I don't think with 
I guess the way races are directed surrounding crashed cars now, I don't think a death like that could ever happen again. Because if you don't Mm -hmm. know, there was, I guess, heavy machinery on the track lifting another car out of um, the barriers. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, Jules Bianchi also went off and then ran straight into that heavy machinery, which obviously prevented him from going into the barriers and instead made a hard impact. So I would think if something like that happened these days, they would red flag the session if they had to put on, I guess, heavy machinery on the track that would block the barriers in any sort of way. I guess at, I guess it was a, it's unfortunate, but I think it overall helped advance the safety of the sport. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it's just a, uh, it was, it was a, I guess, perfect storm, no pun intended. I mean, obviously, I believe it was Typhoon Fanfone um, that had kind of struck the area of the Suzuka racetrack with a lot of rain. It was just a really crappy set of conditions to run a race under. Um, and unfortunately, like you said, Justin, there was some, like, I guess, a tractor crane or a cherry picker that was moving another car out of the way. And Jules Bianchi obviously collided with that um, and passed away as a result of his injuries. But you know, that track or that incident just also prompted the FIA and Formula One to introduce what we now maybe a lot of people have gripes with in the virtual safety car, but I think obviously a great little safety introduction and race control introduction that, you know, if you just need drivers to slow down in general around track, um, we saw it deployed a few times in Singapore this past weekend. We've seen it deployed obviously over the course of this past season. And I think it's in the, in the net, I think it's been a great addition for Formula One not having to just fully deploy the entire safety car. But, you know, looking at that incident, Justin, obviously that wasn't really an issue of the circuit design. It was more so about how the, like, again, like you said, the race was being directed and how recovery efforts were being run for that particular, I guess, incident to recover that initially crashed car. In general, Suzuka is, I would say, a pretty safe track, though. You know, it has a fair amount of gravel traps and larger runoffs. There's an escape road at that final chicane. I think there's just a lot of, I guess, protection measures. Suzuka is actually a test track for Honda, the obviously very well-known automobile manufacturer. So obviously they've taken a lot of uh, safety precautions when it comes to testing and developing their new cars. And that does reflect here in Formula One. Um, I guess anything else you would like to add, Justin, for our circuit analysis or just things you like about Suzuka, things maybe you don't like about Suzuka? I think Suzuka is probably one of the better tracks we've had over the past few weeks. I mean, I'm obviously not a fan of street circuits in general, so Singapore wasn't the most fun race to me. Obviously, we got to see a lot of action there with, I guess, the wet weather and the quantity of DNFs that we had. But Japan, in comparison, I feel like is definitely better than, you know, we had what? uh, I guess Zonvoort France was fine. um, But yeah, Japan is... Definitely one of my favorites when I'm going back and watching older races. I liked 2019 Japan, obviously a very fun race. And was that the last time Valtteri Bottas won? No, no, Valtteri no, Bottas won the yeah. 2000, 2021 Turkish Grand Prix. Is oh, yeah. It's been a long day. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't think there's anything else I needed to add about the track itself. It's It's a fun track. Like... And I, I'm upset that we didn't have it for the past two years, but obviously now we mm-hmm. finally get to go back. It's exciting that Yuki's going to have a home race. I think the mm-hmm. Drive to Survive crew is going to be focused around him this weekend. And obviously with 
the gargantuan leaps that he's made in driver quality over this season Mm -hmm. makes that a much more exciting prospect than it would have been if he was starting there in his rookie season. I'm very curious to see how Yuki does with a better car if he ever gets one because I think the AlphaTauri was better last year than it is this year. But Yuki is a much, much better driver this year than he did Mm -hmm. than he was last year. So it's very weird because you're seeing, I guess, similar results, if not worse. I actually don't know the exact number of points that he had last year versus this year. But I feel like if Yuki's given a better car, we're going to see him fighting in the points a lot more. Obviously, AlphaTauri is having a down year, but hopefully in the future with his new contract Mm -hmm. secured he's going to get a much better car to drive and hopefully we'll eventually win his home Grand Prix as a result. And I mean, you never know could win this weekend, but it is very cool to see, I guess a new driver finally get to have their own home race. Yeah. I think home races are always super, super cool. I mean, we always see how the home crowd comes out to support Max Verstappen at Zandvoort, all the British drivers at Silverstone. Obviously when we did have the German Grand Prix, how drivers came out to support either Michael Schumacher in the past or recently, more recently, I guess, Sebastian Vettel. It's always just super, super cool. I think that, like you said, Justin, Yuki finally getting a home race is also just like a cool morale boost. I mean, like, how fun would it be to hear, I guess, fans cheering your name or I guess how like wearing your merch everywhere or it's kind of just like the perfect place, right? And I'm sure Yuki is having a great time. I'm sure he's very happy to like have been able to go home i guess like i know a lot of drivers also enjoy that when they get to race in their home nations you know they get to experience like the feeling of home and i think you know that's obviously very nice and wholesome and i think you know yuki who we know we've we've probably discussed this a lot justin how you know he left home at a very young age and how he kind of grew up around like the paddock of different racing series and kind of grew up away from home and didn't really like have all of that. So I feel like maybe going home is a nice little extra boost for him. And, you know, maybe it helps his performance. And I think, I think that's super cool. I guess like a little funny story about this. Did you see the, um, the videos of, uh, Pierre Gasly and Yuki Sonoda absolutely belting, um, Oh, at karaoke. I saw pictures of them like at the karaoke place, wherever they were, but I didn't, know that there were actual videos for it yeah i think i think pierre posted his videos on instagram and it's uh it's pretty funny it's nice and wholesome to see that you know pierre and yuki get along as well as they do um you know obviously we'll discuss it but maybe pierre is leaving at the end of this year but we'll see how how all of that pans out but otherwise justin i guess unless you have anything else you would like to add we can move right on to our other update section and just kind of keep this uh this episode ticking along yeah, go ahead. I mean, actually, I, I want to start with, because I know you, you don't have it in the other updates, but mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty interesting. And that is obviously the cost cap scandal that I guess ah, started coming yes. out this week. And we thought we were going to get the cost cap certificates today, and we would obviously then be able to report on it. But unfortunately, the FIA has delayed release of the cost cap certificates until Monday. But for those of you who don't know, It seems like there is speculation that two constructors who are technically unnamed but are widely believed to be both Red Bull and Aston Martin um, broke the spending cap of $145 million during the 2021 season. Obviously, that's pretty bad. It seems like they're estimating anywhere between $5 and $10 million over the cap for Red Bull. I don't know how much Aston Martin went over. 
And there's expected to be penalties, but according to a Sky Sports report that came out this morning, it's only going to be minor punishments, which makes it seem as if points aren't going to be, I guess, factors here. Because one thing a lot of people were worrying about as soon as this came out, or I guess were excited about, was the potential possibility of Red Bull losing their WDC last year because they overspent. Now, obviously, if you go on Twitter, it's kind of a cesspool of Mercedes fans and, you know, just a bunch of people. It, it's F1 Twitter. You know exactly what you're going to get, where now Max Verstappen is being called cost Stappen, which I think is pretty funny. So, like, uh, you know, it, <laughs> it's tough to be mad at people when, like, the jokes they make are funny. And then in addition to human error champion, I'm like, wow, this guy really cannot catch a break, but he's a Formula One driver, so I'm sure he can deal with being called mean names online by like 16-year-olds from the United Kingdom. But Total Wolf, I think, had a pretty interesting take on this because you can look at it from the lens, I guess, of like, oh, we only spent $7 million above the cost cap. So mm-hmm. they only went, what is it, uh, 4.8% above budget, which isn't that bad when you really think of it. But the if you use that money, I guess, for testing or for wind tunnel time, that can greatly improve the performance of your car and can give mm-hmm. you a benefit years ahead into the future. So if there isn't severe penalties, then teams, I guess, could go and be like, well, if we spend an extra $7 million, we'll go over, but it will help us so much in the future that whatever punishment comes with it is not going to be mm-hmm. worth it. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how FA, F, the FIA enact this penalty because they need it to be severe enough to deter other teams from doing it in the future. But I don't uh-huh. think it should be severe enough that they get stripped of titles. I I just don't think that you should punish, I guess, the driver for it. Yeah. Um, Which obviously, guess, obviously that's going to be my take because like, what am I yeah, going to say? Yeah, 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 I think they should strip Max Verstappen of his title. Like, definitely no, not. No, I mean, like, here's the thing. And I guess like when you look at it, like you said, what was it? 4.8% is the rumored overage. I believe five, like within 5% is considered a minor like overspend. And I think above 5% is considered a major overspend. First, before we touch on Red Bull, because I think they're the more obviously prominent team, I want to talk about Aston Martin, Justin. If they overspent last year, what what were they spending on? <laughs> because the car last year was not like that great. Yeah, Seb got P2 twice, but that's because he's Sebastian Vettel and he took advantage of other cars around him not performing well. And then this year, they've been like a backmarker. Um, so what did all of that spending go to? Like, does the cost cap include like all of the money they're spending on that Silverstone facility? Um, because if it does, like, wow, Lawrence Stroll, you are a, I don't know, he must be a really, really rich guy to have all of this money to pay and then like factoring in all these fines or whatever. Um, I guess on like a more like general note, I guess Justin, like, I, I think I agree with you. Like there should be a severe penalty or it should be some sort of like warning to the rest of the teams, right? Because if you're one of these big name teams, aka Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, with these obviously huge operating budgets, then you may as well just factor in like the cost of any fine that you're going to pay into your overall like yearly behind the scenes budget, and then just be fine with it. Like, what is like, who's going to stop you? The FIA? No, they're just going to fine you and then they'll do it. Like, it shouldn't turn into like the luxury tax in the NBA. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with that concept, I think like that would be really, really. I guess, contradictory to the point of having a cost cap. And, you know, while there are salary caps in other sports, like, 
there's a reason that this number exists. Um, and I think it should be like more strictly enforced in Formula One as compared to maybe those other sports where there are like soft cap versus hard cap. I guess going to Red Bull, Justin, the issue here, at least from like what I understand, is not that like like it happened in 2021 but when you think about all the things that were going on in 2021 first red bull had to upgrade their like the rb16b which was their car last year and then obviously they had to develop the rb18 which is their car this year um and we know that like you know there is a very talented aerodynamicist at red bull named adrian newey and you know the red bull obviously has a lot of aerodynamic strengths we saw this last year at tracks like monaco at tracks like brazil where you know the car did enjoy all the time could capture in those windy twisty corners and now we're seeing this year how the red bull has evolved from kind of this straight line power machine into this more balanced just race winning car behind someone like max verstappen or even on a street track like we saw with sergio perez both in monaco and this past weekend in singapore i think that you know, Justin, like you said, I don't know that even as much of a Max Verstappen hater as I am, I don't think he should be stripped of his world championship title. Um, he's not an accountant. He's not a budget maker. And I think it's unfair to penalize him for mistakes that someone else made. Um, I think if the FIA wanted to make an example of him, or not of him, but of Red Bull, I think that they probably would strip Max Verstappen of the title. But seeing as how much controversy there already is around Max's title, I don't know that they'd want to reopen that conversation. I think, like, maybe at most, like, what are you going to do? Like, deduct Constructors' Championship points from Red Bull this year? Like, what are you going to, how many points are you going to deduct? 150? Like, then you're just, then people are just going to say like, oh, Ferrari are artificially manipulating the championship to like bring themselves back into it or whatever. Like, you, there's or no like, like perfect solution No, here, no, I feel I like think. if you do that, that's like almost a good idea. If you do like, I don't know, 50 points or something, or you do like 10% of your total points, because one, that won't affect the championship this year. But 10% of your points, I feel like, is enough that it will really deter teams from doing anything. Because as we see right now, 10% of points would affect three, four, five different constructors um, mm -hmm. and where they are in the standings right now. But if you take 10% of Red Bull's points, then it's only going to drop them to, like, I don't know, 520 points. So it, I guess, doesn't affect the championship this year, but it proves to the future that it would be a very bad idea. But I think it's being overplayed a bit. Maybe I just, maybe because I'm a Red Bull fan, I'm not like reading as much into it. Maybe if, uh, I don't know. Because like, you know, when the fuel flow thing happened, people were up in arms, but I don't think yep. it was like, people weren't calling for the death of Ferrari. And I'm not saying people are calling for the death of Red Bull, but I feel like people are making this out to be way more than it actually is. and. Obviously, take that with a grain of salt, mm -hmm. being who I support. But I, I just don't see it mattering that much at this point. Like, just get mm -hmm. like I don't want to be that guy, but like get over it. Well, I mean, like <clears throat> it's not like the FIA really has a great track record with this, Justin, because like what happened with the fuel flow thing? They just like made a secret agreement in the back rooms of like some hotel meeting room set, right? Like, it's not like there's going to be anything major coming out of this. Like, I don't know that anything different is going to happen like at the end of the day probably the easy route is just slapping aston martin and red bull with a fine and then moving on from the whole situation as kind of like a hey don't do it again um 
I know that's going to not be like a very popular take. I know that's going to anger a lot of fans. Um, like like you said, Justin, he's already being called a human error champ. He's probably going to be called an accounting error champion now too. Um, such is the life of Max Verstappen and such is the life of any sports, I guess, title winner when you win under a controversial or dubious circumstances, right? Like it is what it is, but you just have to move with it. I don't think the FIA is ever going to put an asterisk next to anything. They're not going to engage in some sort of MLB Houston Astros-esque like discussion or discourse, right? Like this is probably just going to be swept under the rug and come next year, we'll probably mention it in our, I guess, preseason preview or like preseason review for the teams next year. But, you know, I, I don't think that, like you said, I don't think anything major is going to come of this. Um, if they deduct constructors points, fine. I don't know that they should deduct drivers points. Like, what is that going to achieve? It doesn't really change anything. I mean, I guess if you deduct points from Perez, maybe like what he falls away from Leclerc and Russell has a little bit more of a fighting chance of stealing that third spot. But like, I don't know that in the net deducting points is going to do anything. And I feel like, you know, I, I just don't think that anything major is going to come of this. And this is just another like momentary hot story. Yeah, I obviously will learn about how much they actually went over on Monday when they released the cost certificate. But I don't think it's yeah, I don't think it's as big as people are making it out to be. Um, And then obviously we have, I guess, driver slots that you want to talk about again. Yeah, I just put these here kind of as like a reminder. I don't know that there's like been any sort of strong evolution in these kind of storylines. This is probably going to be something we uncover or are revealed in the off season. I think Alpine obviously still need a partner for Ocon, Haas need a partner for Magnussen, and Williams need a partner for Albon. Um I don't know that like the driver market has obviously changed too much. I don't think anything like too crazy has happened. Um yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it, Justin. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on where drivers could go and unless you want to engage in some rampant speculation <laughs> on this Wednesday evening? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. It's again one of those things that just you got to wait and see. We can speculate mm-hmm. all we want, and I'm sure in the off season we'll have more. We like opinions about it because we're going to need content, so we're going to need to have opinions on it. Uh, but yeah. as of right now, I would say mm, no. There's there's nothing else to be said now. Obviously, I didn't talk about this in the checkered flag episode, and that was because I. Actually, what's it called? I recorded it right after the race, so I didn't have time to, I guess, wait for the decision to come out. But mm-hmm. Sergio Perez was handed out a five-second time penalty, which obviously did not affect the outcome of the race. But my question to you is, they obviously waited until after before deciding the penalty. Do you think that had Checo not been five seconds ahead, they would have made the same decision? Oh, like if it was a race altering thing, would they have done yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Because it's very easy after to be like, yeah, five second penalty. But if that actually affected the outcome of the race, do you think they do the same thing? Because I, I don't know. Yes. Really? I don't know. I feel because, like. Because. Because this happened at the 2000, I'm casting my mind back, the 2019 Canadian Grand Prix. I'm sure if you remember the iconic clip of Sebastian Vettel switching the signs at the end of the race, he was handed a five-second penalty after the race ended. And so even though he was the first car to cross the checkered flag, he actually came second. Oh, right. Um, 
for gaining an advantage by cutting a couple corners or cutting a corner or something like that. Um, it was a very, very contentious race when obviously Hamilton did go on to win that race, or obviously he won that race, and then he obviously went on to win that championship that season. I believe I believe it was 2019, maybe it was 2018. Um, but the FIA definitely has a precedent, or I shouldn't say FIA, I should say um, like the race control and the stewards have a precedent of making race-altering decisions after the race. Um, again, Justin, I'm, I'm going to say that like, like obviously on one hand, while this is like a hypothetical, I don't know that this would have mattered anyway, because once like there's, there's like this really, really cold, like clip of Hugh Bird, who is Sergio Perez's race engineer saying, let's disappear. And then immediately after that, Checo just pulls like four seconds on Charles Leclerc and the gap is just gone. And it's like insane. And that's pretty cool. You need to send me that clip. Cause I was not aware of it yeah he just goes like let's disappear and then like Checo just starts pushing and then you see the gap at the end is like 7.4 seconds and it's absolutely insane (laughs) um but I I don't know Justin I think this speaks a little bit to I I don't want to be that person but I'm going to be that person right now because I'm going to farm for impressions Charles Leclerc is not him you had his engineers told him that before we knew of anything that there's likely a penalty for Perez because of the um, deviating from 10 safety car lengths. And mm-hmm. then Charles Leclerc just let it all slip away. It's it's one thing to fall out of DRS range. It's another thing to let an opponent pull five seconds on you in a on a track where one, you took pole and two, like you've like the car was competitive the rest of the day. Like, I'm not asking you to stay within 0.5 seconds. I'm asking you to stay within 5 seconds. Like, come on. I I feel like that is not as difficult as an ask for someone of the level of Charles Leclerc, and we've seen him do it before. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. What are are your thoughts there? I, I don't know, because we know the Red Bull's performance has been so good all year, and when they're pushing, I don't think anyone else can stand even remotely close to them. But... Yeah, you're right. I mean, to lose a gap that badly is like, it's kind of tough. And mm-hmm. it, it's definitely a bad look, I think. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of it with the Perez five second time penalty. I mean, the race and the drive he put in on Sunday was absolutely insane. Um, obviously, very difficult conditions. We saw numerous drivers like George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen all have their own Nicholas set of ins- Nicholas Latifi, correct. Um, Alex Albon, uh, who else? Like a bunch of people just, you know, bonk into walls and lock up and not have the best of days. But Sergio Perez just kept banging in lap after lap after lap. Um, So that's another, I guess, positive performance from him. I know he's been under, I guess, the microscope over the last couple of weeks. People haven't been too high on his performances, but here we are. I guess another question, Justin, I'll ask you, and we can maybe keep this one brief before we move on to the other sections of the show. So obviously the race was delayed on Sunday um, due to like a lot of standing water. Do you feel like the FIA is just kind of killing the like wet race thing? Like I'm not saying we need to send drivers out in pouring rain, but we have the full wet tires. And this is now the second time this year that we've had standing water and race control allowed it to just dry up a little bit. And we started the race on inters. Like, do you feel that drivers could have started like we could have started the race earlier and just been on wet tires i don't know i really like wet races and i feel like they could have raced under those conditions it didn't it wasn't like raining anymore there was just a lot of water and 
You're right. Mm-hmm. They they're some of the best drivers in the world. But then I'm like, okay, well, let's look at the race because once the race is done, you can you know make those observations after the fact. And after the fact, you look at the race and you see six cars DNF'd, and probably only one of them was not, I guess, rain related because it was Zhou Guan Yu getting destroyed by Nicholas Latifi. But the rest mm-hmm. of them were absolutely rain related. So. When something like that happens, I guess you have to be like, okay, well, I don't think they should have raced in wet, so it's probably a pretty good call that the FIA didn't decide to have it while there was even more water, because if there was even more water, I'm sure we would only have, I guess, a field of 10 people. (laughs) Yeah, I guess fair enough. Um, But I guess unless you have any other updates, Justin, we can move on to our perhaps more fun places, uh, turn one trivia to start. So (laughs) You can go first. Um, okay, well, I'll go first. So, Justin, the 2006 uh, Japanese Grand Prix, obviously held here at the Suzuka Circuit in Suzuka, Japan, is the highest attended Suzuka or Japanese Grand Prix of all time. Um, so, obviously, I'm going to ask you some questions about, I guess, like, 2006 in Japan. Um, 2006 in Japan, all right but just some car racing things. So obviously there was, uh, so I guess for the first question, who won the 2006 Japanese Grand Prix? Oh, I have no clue. Um, I'll give you a hint. It was the same guy who won the 2006 WDC. The 2006 WDC. So let's see. Um, God, I don't know my old F1 history enough. Like, Whenever I'm thinking, like, early 2000s, I'm just thinking, like, Michael Schumacher, but... 2000- oh, <laughs> 2006 WDC. Oh, is it number one Max Verstappen fan, Fernando Alonso? It is, in fact, number one for Max Verstappen fan, Fernando Alonso. Um, what position did Fernando Alonso start that race in? Let's go with a nice, shiny P3. Ooh, close, but not on the money. He started in P5. P5. Um, yes. Um, now, there were obviously, in my biggest Will Buxton voice, um, four drivers ahead of Fernando Alonso that year on the starting grid. Um, can you? How many of them can you name? Uh, Michael Schumacher. Okay, that's one. Um, let's see. Let's go with Kimi Raikkonen. Kimi Raikkonen did not start in uh, ahead of Fernando Alonso. Kimi Raikkonen started in P11 that race. Mm. God, who else drove for Ferrari that year? Oh, never mind. Um, I have no idea. You're going to have to just give it to me. All right. P1 in Ferrari, Felipe Massa. Oh, okay. Um, in P2, Michael Schumacher for Ferrari. In P3, Ralph Schumacher for Toyota. And in P4, Yarno Truly, not Opmir, but Truly in the other Toyota. And then Fernando Alonso was in his Renault in P5. And his fellow podium sitter that day, Giancarlo Fisichella, was also in the Renault. So it was a three-car top six that weekend. Or actually a four-car top eight now that I look at it. Um, But... Yeah, that's uh, that's my turn one trivia. All right. Well, I'm going to go with 
with some culture here. So Ooh. in 2022, the Academy Award for the best international feature film came from the country of Japan. Can you name that movie? Oh my god. Um I I no, I can't. I just wa- I just watched this movie and I probably you talked to you about it. You I don't know that you did. I probably did. It it's what 3 hours it it's 3 hours long. Come on. I guess it's 3 fine. hours long. What? Um I don't know what is it? It is called Drive My Car. Drive my car. Oh, 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 okay, sure. <laughs> See, I I knew you knew it. It just okay. it, you just couldn't couldn't get it to the tip of your tongue. It's all right, it happens to the best of us. Okay. Um are you going to ask me anything more about it or cuz like now I do know things about that movie, like who directed it, but that's about it. <laughs> you know who directed it, but you didn't know the name of the movie? Yeah. <laughs> well, now now that I uh, now that you've like reminded me of the name of the movie, like that's why I know it. Wow, nice. Um, but no, I don't have any other questions. It was just the okay. Movie. <laughs> Fair but enough. You can you can share your knowledge of who directed it if you so please. Um, I believe his name is Hamaguchi. That's his last name. Yeah, um, Ryosuke Hamaguchi. Okay, there we go. Okay, so I did I did know that much, but uh. Yeah, I guess, well, there's, I guess, a little niche on Japanese cinema in the year 2021, or I guess maybe for the 2022 Oscars. Um, just an on-to-cope corner? On-to-cope corner. My cope corner is going to be that Max Verstappen wins the WDC uh, this weekend, which means we will not get to see a Max Verstappen clinching when we go to Austin in two weeks' time interesting um my cope corner is the exact opposite of that is that he does not win the wdc here in japan and he has to clinch it in austin in two weeks time when we will be in attendance and i think that will be super dope oh so we just okay well at least one of us is going to be right yeah um yeah that's pretty much it but uh i don't think there's anything more to be elaborated there and we can just jump into our pre-race predictions justin i do i even need to ask who your pole sitter and race winner are no you do not Okay, my pole sitter is Charles Leclerc. My race winner is Max Verstappen. Um, and mine is Max for both, in case anyone yeah. is new here. Yeah. Um, so, Justin, obviously, this is the home race for Honda. Obviously, it's called Red Bull Powertrains now, but that engine is a Honda engine. The Honda Racing Corporation logo is still on the Red Bull and Alphatari cars. The Honda back, like, the Honda rear wing is going to be on the... Um, it's going to be on the Honda-powered cars this weekend, so that'll be a nice little homage to them. Justin, what is the average finishing position of the four Honda-powered cars going to be? If you're including a DNF, DNFs will be counted as P20. I'm going to go with P... Okay, so obviously the Alpha Taris and the Red Bulls. Um, I think I'm going to go with a nice and solid P... Nine. Wow, wait, how low how low are you projecting the Alpha Taurus to finish? Oh right. I'll go with a nice and solid P seven point five. 
Okay. Um, I just like did my math. I have so I have the two Red Bulls finishing one and three. I have one AlphaTauri in P9 and one AlphaTauri in P13, I believe, and that comes out to a finishing position of 6.75. So that's what I'll put down. Okay. That's not a bad shout. Um, yeah, I think maybe like one AlphaTauri in points and like the other one just has a dreadful day, but um, that's fair. And then Justin, the question that we answered <laughs> in our Coke Corner, will Max Verstappen clinch the 2022 Formula One World Drivers Championship on Sunday or will it move on to Austin? I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be clinched this weekend. Okay. Sadly. And in the opposite, I I will be clinching. Or I believe that Max Verstappen will clinch in Austin, Texas, in two weeks' time. But Justin, on that note, unless you have anything else to add, I think we're ready to wrap it up. All right. I unfortunately do not have anything to add, but thank you everyone for listening. As always, we appreciate you coming back to the show. Japan is obviously going to be a very, very exciting race for us. Haven't been here in quite a bit of time, so it's definitely going to be fun, I guess, for the whole family. Unfortunately, it's at 1 a.m. if you're on the week, uh, on the East Coast, so may not be for the whole family. But follow us on Twitter and Instagram at F1on1pod. Please follow us on Twitter. Oh, we already did that one again. Wow. Intro and and the other one I mess up, which I guess is unfortunate. Um, But, 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 but. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm completely blanking here. It's been a long, long day and a long, long week with midterms, but rate us five stars. There it is. Rate us five stars on whatever listening platform you're listening to us on. And we will see you guys on Sunday at some point for the 2022 Honda Japanese Grand Prix checkered flag episode. Peace. Have a good one, guys. Peace.